We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. fans how you doing it's your boy john of the macri with you for another episode of the next film school podcast happy to be in front of the microphone if i can get the words out properly for the first time in a little while because i uh, have not been here for the past few post games uh the team here at next film school was kind enough to give me a little, little time off to spend some time with the fam put up the the old tree and the whole thing and i am very happy to be here not talking to jeremy cohen jeremy jeremy's a a little bit busy with some work stuff. We're filling in admirably. There's a man I'm very excited to talk to about the Knicks because they're doing well. And I like talking to this person when the Knicks are doing well. I like talking to this person always. It's Benji Ritholtz. Hello, Benji. Hello. Just don't, don't ask me to do any math. Don't ask me to crunch any numbers because I cannot do any of those things. Always stepping in humbly for the brilliant Jeremy Cohn, but thrilled to be here. Very excited to come on here with a winning streak in tow. I'm often doing post games after awful losses. Somehow, John, you have the magic touch of putting me in terrible situations. This is my. This is great. I'm enjoying myself. So can't get. Can't wait to get to it. So someone tweeted at me or you or the KFS account or something that like it, implying that there. I, I don't want to. Put words in this person's mouth. I don't have the tweet in front of me, but speaking of a, of a sort of a Benji curse, yeah, that yeah, if it was if, out there, yes, that if Benji <laughs> was on assigned to a post game, the Knicks were going to lose the game, and I know that that is not true because you were on for one of the biggest wins of last season. Yeah, yeah, it was a this year thing. I think we were, yeah. but yeah, it, it it was out there in the ether. I had some bad, bad vibes and out on Twitter about my uh, my presence on the post game. So breaking the curse, although doing it for that Detroit game, which was as close as you can get to a loss without losing. <laughs> I, well, I don't know. So we're going to we're going to talk about kind of the week in review. And we're also because I feel like I haven't talked to you in a while about this. I mean, we text about the team like every literally every day. Yeah. Um, so it's it's not like I don't know what you're thinking, but I haven't got a chance to talk to you about the team in front of a mic in a while. So this will kind of be a, a bit of a big picture overview, but also uh, zooming in on the week. So uh, quick week in review. The 
Knicks started off by winning a game against the Hornets. Um, that seems like a million years ago. I vaguely recall that was a game where they went up by twenty something points, and then it was like tied, and then they went, and then they won by twenty something points. Does that, does that sound accurate? <laughs> That's that sounds accurate. It was a uh, it was a uh, in in season tournament push to ah, the yes. point differential. That's right. So extending that lead back out was important at the time. The starters yeah. were in real late uh, through the end, and yep. yeah, it was a weird kind of game without Lamelo, but they took care of business at the end of the day. They did. And that was that was good to see. But going into the um the the potential Benji curse game, <laughs> there, there was a part of me that was a little nervous because I was like, I hadn't and I'm gonna get to a, a point here, but like I was like, man, I really don't love how they've been playing. And like, you know, we you've been watching basketball for Basically, this, we've been both watching basketball for our entire lives, more or less. You probably longer than me because I didn't start watching until I was like nine or ten. But like, you know that like losing streaks, there's like a there's like a cycle to them. Like it starts however it's going to start, and then it reaches like a depression point where a team just kind of accepts losing. But then it reaches another point where a team clearly is fed up with losing, and it you, like something will happen that will start to turn the page on the streak and um, it doesn't always result in a win. And I actually wonder if the next game was, was sort of that turning point for the Pistons because they fought really hard and valiantly against the Cavs uh, in what was that game last night? I actually watched for a lot of that. Um, I get, I bet they're going to get a win soon, but like my long story short is I was worried it was going to be that night and they played their worst ball of the season. I well, either that or the Pelicans game, right? The Pelicans game was like they were just dead tired. This was something different. And and I, I'd like for you to speak to that because you did a b- brilliant post game with some days to reflect. Do you feel how do you feel about that Pistons game? Yeah. Now that it's just a, in the win column and the you know, in the moment you're staring down the barrel of a back-to-back traveling to Toronto where Julius played 40 minutes, Brunson played 38. So a lot of the frustration was like fearful of what was to come. I thought was going to be a tough matchup. The way they took care of business in Toronto now obviously changes my perspective about how important or serious that Detroit game was. Like end of the day now, it's a win. It doesn't totally matter. And I don't think it was reflective of anything that would apply to real high stakes games for this team. Like I thought it was a classic case of taking an opponent lightly. They came out with zero energy from literally the first play. But like that doesn't worry me about anything with high stakes in the future. You know what I mean? Like it's a very kind of unique situation Whoops, where they're playing a team that hasn't won in a month, literally a month. Yep. And I think they kind of thought they could waltz in there and win, which they kind of did at the end of the day. They kind of waltzed in there and win, got and they got they got serious at some point with like six minutes left in the fourth quarter and and pulled away. So, I don't know. I, with some days removed, I am less frustrated because of the way the Toronto game went. The fact that at the end of the day, it's a win, is a win, is a win, is a win, is a win. The team's playing well, um, so I would say I've I've chilled out a bit. <laughs> oh, I'm happy you put it like that because. I was feeling very much the same way and I was worried that there was something more that I was worried that I should be worried basically because mm-hmm. I was going into the Toronto game 
And I was like, man, this team's won nine of 12 games. Like, think about that for a second. It's not easy to, it doesn't matter who's on your schedule. It's hard to win nine of 12 games in the NBA. And, but I was like looking at it and I'm just like going back briefly. It's like, okay, we talked about the Detroit game, the Charlotte game. They let the Hornets back in. I was not terribly impressed by the Phoenix loss. I, I agree. I think I heard you say this or, or maybe you tweeted or, or maybe texted or whatever. I get lost of all the ways that I, I communicate with you. But like, <laughs> it was something along the lines of like, Phoenix is not a bad team, even without Kevin Durant. Phoenix, that, that's, no. a, that's not a bad team. And no. when Eric Gordon's feeling it, it's like, you know, he, he could do it. Then you had the Miami game where they played pretty crappy basketball for most of three quarters and then had one of the greatest quarters under Tom Thibodeau. Um, the Minnesota game was uh, uninspiring, to put it politely. Uh, some I still don't know how they were tied in that game at the half. And then before that, you had six wins in seven games, but those wins came against the Hornets, the Wizards. The Hawks was a good win. That was a really good win. Um, lost by 16 at Boston, game that they hung tight and then got their doors blown off towards the end. And then before that, again, Charlotte, San Antonio, these are not good teams. And then that the win that kind of got them started on this streak, which was against the Clippers, which see, which was big in the moment. And I, even in retrospect, I think it's it's big, but like it's very clear that the Clippers were still figuring things out and had a ways to right. go. It was first, first, yeah. hard, first hardened game. So yeah, it was, exactly. it, was, it was the beginning of an experiment for them. So like I, I, I go through all of that as an excuse for myself because I'm going to say I didn't think they had a chance of not that they didn't have a chance of winning the Toronto game, but going into the Toronto game, I was like, here's how this is going to go. They're going to get down by like seven or eight or nine after the first quarter. The Raptors will gradually build the lead up to like 15 or 16 or 17. The Knicks will hang around. It'll be a double digit game that we've all seen. They'll, they'll cut it to, you know, maybe two possessions or something in the fourth. And then they're just going to run out of gas because they had to expense most energy to beat the Pistons. I, I, if I could have bet on that scenario, if you'd give me good enough odds, I'd be like, absolutely take my money. And I was just utterly dead wrong because apparently I still don't know this team and, uh, or I don't know what it is, but I just wanted to open with that and see what you thought of my assumption. Now in retrospect of they, they played arguably the best game of the season. No, I'm, I felt the same way, you know, probably a lot of listeners know I'm, I, I observe the Jewish Sabbath. I don't watch games Friday night, Saturday. I find out about the score of the game through the newspaper on Saturday morning. That's amazing. Which is, it's like an old school, it's like a main, maintaining kind of this like old school sports fandom where I find out what happens through the paper. New York Post comes, I see some ridiculous headline and I was expecting some like, I don't know, Toronto or some stupid, you know, the, the dumb headlines that they come out with. And I, and my, my, my five-year-old runs out and grabs the paper for me. It's like his favorite thing to do in this on Saturday morning. So awesome. he, he brings it in. I open it up and it's like Josh Hart celebrating on the, I'm like, wow, look at this. I was, I was, I too was very surprised because of the minutes load in Detroit. It's a, it's a tough, you're traveling into a back-to-back on the road. They've had, a, as you mentioned, they've had a terrible time in Toronto over the last many, many oh. years. And they put up a, a really, really strong performance, a really strong performance. Um, and a lot of guys showed me something in that game. Uh, it was, you know, to your point, it's been a softer-ish schedule of late. Uh, I think a lot of good teams lose one or two of the games that you just mentioned just because they do. They do. And it's a, it, it, is wor- it, is worth, it is worth complimenting this team for just getting the job done each and every night the, that these games have come onto their schedule where 
teams are struggling, teams are terrible, teams are figuring it out, whatever. But like at the end of the day, you got to win the games. They've won every single one of these games and against these bad teams. Toronto's not a bad team. They've been playing some good ball. Scotty Barnes looks like a different... Scotty Barnes is really good, man. Scotty Barnes is really good, and he showed it in that game. And he put up a great, great game. And frankly, the Knicks dominated them in the second half. That was not... That was not that close a game in the fourth quarter. They just outplayed them. They showed they were the better team. And I was, yeah. I mean, when I watched it back Saturday night, I was like, this is an extremely impressive win. An extremely impressive win for the next one. If not the most of the year, most impressive of the year, it's up there. I think it was it was my most impressive win of the season because like, yeah, they won those two. I'll, I'll like you can kind of call them track mates against the Hawks in Atlanta. Like the, the Hawks are a good team. They're, well, no, they're good. They're a decent team, right? They're okay. Yeah, last they're time probably- I checked their, their, you know, their net rating and whatever, like they, they, they should be better than they've been. Like I'll I pull it up, right? Yeah. They've been, the, they've num- been the numbers yeah. look good and it's just, they haven't won a lot of close games, but yeah, I think that there's a lot of talent on that team for sure. They've they're one game under 500. They have a positive net rating. So yeah. you take away the two Knicks games. They're actually above 500. Like, those were solid, but like, there's like a something about games with Atlanta. They, they lack the not the they lack the seriousness, but like the Knicks know that they could win that game. I think the Knicks have a good formula against them that they, they have do. figured out, and and you can you know the fact that Brunson can attack Trey. Well, this is a sidetrack, but the fact that Brunson can always get to Trey Young when he wants yeah. to, the fact that it, it's it's always a rolling big, right? Which which is where the Knicks are most comfortable defensively. It's Capella, it's a Kongwu, it's it's a pretty standard pick and roll attack that the Knicks their base scheme just works really well. They get it, they know what they have to do. So yeah, there is something. Since that playoff series, obviously, but but the regular season performances and since the Tibbs era have been really, really good against the Hawks. Yeah, and then the Miami game was just like that's like a to me. I look at that game; that's like a blue moon. It's like you. I don't know what happened in the fourth quarter. I mean, I know what happened in the fourth quarter, but like I think some of that had to do with Miami. Some of that had to do with obviously what the Knicks are doing. But I I don't. That was not an impressive performance from the Knicks from top to bottom. This was impressive. Like this was, and I, and I'm, I, the reason I'm kind of dwelling on this Toronto game, one because they always, or seem to always play poorly, uh, especially in Toronto, but also just against this Raptors team they, they struggle with for reasons that I thought you documented when you sent your tweet before the game about the potential matchups. Like there's no great mm-hmm. way to match up against this team, um, you know. So I, it makes me feel pretty it makes me feel much better about where they're at going into this in-season tournament, which we're going to talk about in a second. Um, then I think I, I would have like otherwise, like without seeing that performance, it gives me a lot of confidence moving forward. Yeah. And you know what else was impressive about it, it uh, is they lost a possession battle. <laughs> Toronto, Toronto played a very Knicks game. They were all over the offensive glass. Couldn't make a shot. Um, but but had several more possessions, I think 10 more possessions than the Knicks had, 10 more shots than the Knicks had. And the Knicks just shot the ball so much better than them. <laughs> I, mean, well, we're talking, I think it was 16 to six threes on the night, um, which is hard to overcome for any team. But the Knicks, right, that's almost, that's been the Knicks trying to overcome the shooting deficit. But this team, with the additions they've made and with the evolution of Jalen Brunson, seem to have found themselves in a place where they can outshoot teams. That is not something you could really say last year. And that might be a game changer. And they actually outshot 
from three, they're, each game of this week, they outshot their opponents. They lost the possession battle against Charlotte as well. Mm-hmm. And they won through superior three-point shooting. Um, so that is in something to monitor going forward. Like, of course, we want the Knicks to win the possession battle, do what they do. But the ability to pivot and win games in other ways, including by shooting the basketball well and effectively, um, that changes the outlook a bit going forward. And that's something that about this Toronto game, I think that is specifically encouraging is that they won in a different way. And they've won. They've won a few games in that. So, I mean, they've, they've obviously been a great offensive rebounding team all year. They've been a great defense. They've been just a great rebounding team period all year, taking care of the ball, all the shit they did last year. But, um, and JJ Reddick on his podcast, uh, I think it was a few days ago, the pod came out. Um, when you talk about Tim Legler kind of hit on this, which is like, now that you have all of these shooters and it's not just good shooters, they're good shooters on, on decent volume. Like the Knicks don't have that one guy who's taken, you know, eight or nine or 10 threes a game. Although Brunson now, I guess Wait for Jalen, it's what coming. Is he, is he- is he? Do you think he gets up to? What do you think he gets to this year? I don't. I don't have the number in front of me. I know it's been rising. I don't. Think it has been rising. I don't think he's at eight or nine yet. But like, he's not at eight. Yet, why yeah. the hell not? Why the hell not? Like why? Like I, I'm done capping this guy as yeah. a shooter. It's just so no. They don't have that one guy yet. Might be coming. Might be it, coming. It, it might. But the other thing they do have, in addition to Brunson, and listen, Brunson deserves all of the flowers. I mean. I, I want to wax, but we'll wax poetic about Jalen Brunson a little bit when we give out game balls because he's got, I'm pretty sure he's getting one from one of us, but we'll see. Um, yeah, he's at 7.0, uh, 7 on the dot, uh, three point attempts per per game. I mean, just you look at the last three years, he was at 4.7 last year. And then the year before that, he was at 3.2 with a little bit less minutes. So, like, we thought he made a jump last year. Yeah. Ain't nothing compared to the made no. now. He's, is, he's, or, he's already made more pull-up threes this year than he did two years ago. It's, uh, it's <laughs> wild. So I'm happy you said pull-up threes because, again, Brunson should get all the flowers. They have a second guy in Emmanuel quickly who, like, kind of, he gets, he always gets lost in the sauce here, but, and he's had a, he's probably worst, not that he was bad against Serrano, but these were the least impressive consecutive games, I think, for me, he's had since, like, the very beginning of the year, which I'm not worried about Emmanuel quickly. The point remains, He's also a really, really good pull-up three-point shooter. Decent volume, not Brunson volume, because well, partially because he doesn't play as much. Mm-hmm. But he takes a good amount, and he hits them at a really nice clip. So, And then when you throw in all the catch-and-shoot guys, um, Benji, they're on the borderline of being top 10 in both accuracy and frequency, and frequency according to Clean the Glass. Yeah. You know there's no one in the league who's in the top 10 in both right now? Wow. No, that I didn't know. I just looked up these numbers. Actually, to, sorry to make, I, to make the point that you just made. It, I might Boston, be wrong about that. Boston's I, not in. So Boston is thirteenth uh, in accuracy, okay. and I actually may have just misspoken because I I did a third criteria: top ten in defense as well. So uh, the Knicks are fifth in defense. They're uh, ninth in accuracy. They're eleventh in frequency. So they're right. They're right there, being top ten in all three of those. Uh, Boston's obviously has great defense, and they take more threes than anybody, but they, they've, they're a little bit lower in, in accuracy. I'm sure that'll, that'll jump up, but like, man, if they could keep the defense going and they keep shooting it like this, that's a formula. That, I, I mean, 
I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but it's a we. I don't have to tell you. It's a formula for success. No, a hundred percent. That's that's where I think the Toronto game is kind of ha- was so impactful and like influential because I, it was just like kind of a wake up call. Like Toronto's a terrible shooting team. The Knicks knew it. They packed the paint. They forced them to beat them that way. They made six threes on the night. The Knicks make sixteen, and it's like this team. This team can outshoot you, and that is a marked change from a year ago. And and it's what's interesting about it is it's without Julius. It's with Julius regressing big time from three, both in frequency and accuracy. Yep. Um, and it's been kind of reallocated now. Now, now Randall's volume was important last year, but the rea- he was still only a thirty-four percent shooter, whatever it was. Now you're reallocating some of history point attempts to guys like DiVincenzo and Quickly and Brunson, who are all really good shooters. And I think Grimes' shot will come along. Um, and I, you know, so what DiVincenzo adds to this team as a shooter, you take away, you know, Obi, who was taking, you know, per minute, taking a lot of threes last year. Yeah. And you replace his shooting with DiVincenzo. And now Josh Hart seems to be with a more willing trigger. So yeah, there's a lot of, you know, RJ's kind of regressed now to where more where we thought he'd be, but still encouraging signs as a shooter so like a lot of options to, sh- to shoot the three ball and they have guys who can create threes for others so that yeah we're talking about a little bit of a different upside if the team can become a really good shooting team how how much do you think is it um, it's the next thing i want to get to is julius um you think that was his best game of the season yeah i think so he's i mean he's had some i could be i could be for, i could be forgetting one um uh, to be like i i but it was whether it was his best or not. I, the way he, he, the word for that game was relentless. He was just relentlessly attacking the paint against the team. Again, with all that size, they can throw a lot of bodies at him that you wouldn't think it would be like the dominating performance. You got Siakam, you got Barnes, you got Ananobi, and you got Achua, and nobody keep him out of the paint all night. He was in the paint all night and then making passes to create shots, whether he was scoring and then he's passing for direct assists and then he's getting a bunch of hockey assists. I'm going to put out something tomorrow about all his paint touches and what it created. It was remarkable what he created through his drives and post-ups relentlessly throughout the game. Just a dominating performance by Julius. And if he's not going to make threes and not going to take as many threes, well, that's if he's doing that, well, (laughs) if he's doing that, you can you can you can survive it. So that's why I wanted to go to Julius after talking about the three point shooting, because like, yeah, that's I'm, I really I can't harp on this Toronto game enough. Again, it's we're not going to see that every time. Like they're not going to make six, what, 16 of whatever threes they made. But like that version of Julius with this version of Brunson and I, Brunson didn't even have a great game. He had a, had a, a, a very good game. But like n- now the standard is so high that that's like an average Jalen Brunson game. Like that's what we just come to expect. Yep. And then, you know, with Julius and kicking out to the shooters and their ability to put the shooters on the floor and Josh Hart has been reawakened. I don't know where he was the first 16 games a year. I he was somewhere. It, he was just waiting to complain to the press. He just had to, he had to get it off his chest. It <laughs> was a great tweet. <laughs> I, I say this sort of jokingly, but maybe that's what it made some people. You know, when I, I put out a tweet that was like critical of his kind of press, you know, but and some but you were right. Respond. Some people, but I was, I feel like I, I stand by it, but some people I think had a good point in responding to me, which was like, man, some people just need, need to talk it out. Some people just need to talk it out. And maybe for him, that was important. 
I don't know. Or maybe it's just he's he found his rhythm again. But yeah, it's obviously like it, this was his this was his best week by a by a light year. I mean, yeah. he was all three games really good. And I thought against Toronto was exceptional. Yeah, uh, totally. So you have you add that into the mix and, um, you know, you, you, you can you can start to have some notions about what this team is, is maybe capable of, of doing this year. What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about AG1. Going into this season, I decided it was time to make a change. My digestion didn't feel its best. I felt sluggish, stressed, didn't feel as focused, and knew I needed to do something different. So I decided to give AG1 a try because I wanted better gut health, a boost in energy, and I hated taking pills or vitamins. Well, when I started drinking AG1 daily, not only could I see a difference in my daily health, but I finally had energy and noticed how much more relaxed and focused I was. That's because AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs, such as gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to evaluate your baseline health. Fun fact, I recommended AG1 to all my friends, family, and Mrs. Claudio. We drink AG1 first thing in the morning to make sure we have the energy needed to take on a busy day. There's no debate, AG1 AG1 is the supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash filmschool. That's drink. That's drinkag1.com slash filmschool. Check it out. Um, so we have a couple uh, discussion points Andrew wanted us to hit on. Shout out, by the way, uh, APJP is on the ones and twos tonight. Um, but uh, you know, Andrew's always he's always pulling the strings. He loves he loves being in control, even when he's not here. <laughs> uh, so his, <laughs> we talked about you know the Detroit versus the Toronto games um, and how we're feeling at twelve and seven. So this question: What do you believe is the Knicks' best five man lineup after nineteen games? My reaction to this is that there is no one, which is obviously we're both going to have to give an answer. Otherwise, Andrew's going to yell at me for not uh, giving him good content to, to put forth on the, the, the Knicks film school you know, channels and whatnot. So we'll both give an answer. But I don't think you can answer this question because it's so different night to night, not only matchup dependent, but like different guys are feeling on a different night. It's like we could, we could. <laughs> We could say like when everybody's at their best or when everybody's like kind of relatively at their best, like what five man lineup makes the most sense. But like, what are your what are your thoughts when you after 19 games? What are your general thoughts about this question before you give an answer? Mm. It's an interesting question. And that looks Andrew. Andrew, he asks good questions. That's why he's good at what he, he does. He does. Um, I think that you could go a lot of different ways. And I, the emergence of this like Nova lineup. I've I've seen some good nicknames proposed, whether it's the Nova Seals, whether it's Nova the Supernova, um, regardless, whatever you call it, that lineup has looked juicy uh, in these in this recent stretch. With uh, can I give you a stat, please, quickly? Uh, so I've been I think I've 
kept this all straight. I can't make any promises, but I've tried to continue keeping track of their closing lineups. Uh, disregarding games that were blowouts, which I have, there were eight that I have as having been garbage time games. Um, and then the Nova lineup is the first lineup, according to what I've been able to record, that has closed three games. He has used nine, you know, can I count? No, eight different closing lineups in games of consequence this year. And the Nova one is the only one that I have. It has closed three games. Um, The do do. And the only other one that I have that has closed two games of consequence is Brunson quickly, RJ Julius, and actually Hardenstein. It was, I believe the first game of the year. And then a game recently where Mitch was, I forget what was going on with Mitch. Um, I don't remember which it was the Miami game. Maybe. I forget. Whatever. Hartenstein did. Yes. Hartenstein did close the Miami game. Okay. So I think coming into the year, you would have guessed Bronson quickly, RJ Julius, and then probably Mitch, but like a center would have been the most likely closing lineup. Although I I don't know. So yeah, but yeah, no, I I would have said the lineup that kind of dominated the league at the second half of last year, which remains an absurdly effective lineup. Which and and that that will be my answer ultimately, despite this this Nova emergence. So hard and quickly, to be clear, Brunson quickly, Hart, Randall, Robinson. We're talking, you know, 118 possessions plus 31.4 differential according to the glass, 99th percentile across the board. That lineup remains. It's been. It's been better this year than last year. It's been one of the best times in the league now. For what we're we're getting close to, like I don't know, 60, 50, 60 games. I don't know. So. It's that that is my answer, okay. but it's but the exciting thing about it is that they have all of this versatility and you can plug in guys. They're all starter caliber caliber players. They have nine guys and that is unique in this league and it's rare. And like, you know, I put out my stupid grades every night and this guy, Santino, I love it. you know, <laughs> Santino, Santino's a legend. This guy Best is. Thing creating like Excel spreadsheets, like putting together my grades. It gives ratings based on the grades. And you look across these ratings and, you know, over, over a large sample size, I think it does tell you something. Everyone on the team is somewhere between an 80 and a 90. Yeah. Right. If you're thinking in like 2K terms, it's kind of a stupid way to think about it. But it's also, I think, reflective of a team that has nine guys who aren't all that far apart, but are all really good. Yep. <laughs> what? A, I mean, what a what a and, and to Tibbs credit. We've always asked him to use his depth as a weapon. He is doing that. He is doing that this year. To your point, all these different closing lineups, depending on matchup, depending on who's playing well, and it's worked. Like it, it, it's all kind of worked. So it's uh, that's my answer. I'm curious to hear yours, but overall, like it is a tremendous luxury that this team has. That anyone can you can plug in and can close a game effectively for you. To your point about. The how good everybody's been. Like the, I, I hate even. I don't want to use this word, but like if you had to pick, I was about to, if you had to pick a worse Nick. My daughter has this thing now. I don't know if either if your kids are old enough to do this or if they do this. Where anytime we're we either like see like a movie with a bunch of characters or like let's say she draws like seven pictures or something or she like plays a few different pieces of music on the piano. She she'd be like, "What was your least favorite?" 
And I'll be like, I don't have a least favorite. I enjoyed all of them. Yeah. And yeah. she's like, no, but if you had to pick, I'm like, no, I, I don't. I'm not going to pick because I it, it implies that I dislike something. Right. And she's like, okay, which did you love, 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 love the least? The least. Like, Stop great. it. So this is which reference. family member do you love the least? <laughs> I'm going to be the dad that always tells I'm not having any more kids. So like I, I will tell the one daughter that that like secretly you can't tell, but you're my favorite. I'll, I'll tell each of them that as they grow up and then hopefully that doesn't blow up my face. Um, Grimes. Uh, yeah. The, the, again, quote unquote, worst Nick, fair to say. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. I think unquestionably. Yeah. Unquestionably. Okay. And yet I was watching your thread of the Raptors game and it's like been third year we said this before I know but like third year player tough role he's still doing a lot of the dirty work and like yeah there's more he could be doing there's more he probably should be doing there's maybe more that they could be doing it, it all comes together but like if that's your worst player I mean, shit you're probably a pretty good team 100% it's gonna get better also and what I liked about the Toronto game and as you know I put it out on the game thread on the Knicks Film School account is like just did some little things to really help them win. And I do yep. think there have been games this year where when the offense isn't going, he, you just haven't felt him. Yep. Even defensively, <laughs> where he was so good last year, and there are games where he got pushed around, didn't wasn't physical enough. He was really good. They, you know, they got the Scotty Barnes assignment, and Barnes did a lot of damage kind of on mid-range jumpers, made a couple threes, yep. didn't beat, didn't really beat the Knicks up inside. And that's a credit to Grimes. I mean, Josh Hart ended up playing more than him and got that assignment more often, but Grimes fought him and boxed him out. And made some plays in transition defense that were huge. And then to see the drive game start to slowly oh, creep back in where he's, he, he hasn't had any of that. He hasn't had any of that this year. It's been gone, absent, no free throws all season. And, and those dump off passes that we saw pretty regularly last year yeah. are gone. And to see him get to the line just on an attack, aggressive attack, and then to make a drop off pass to Mitch, because love that pass. unless they think he's going to score on a drive, they're not going to guard him. And if they don't guard him, there's no drop off pass available. Right? So it's the attack initially that gets the foul call. And now that drop-off opens up. It's about driving to score, showing a little bit more aggression. Even though he didn't make a shot last night, I just thought it was a positive step. And we're just waiting now. I still believe in the jump shot wholeheartedly. That's going to come. They got to get in more shots. We talk about that all the time. But I, I do. If he's the worst, Nick, and it's going to get better from there, they're in really good shape. And by the way, he'll close games this year. It's not over for him. He's going to close games this year because he's really important to what they do. There are certain matchups where his defense is of paramount importance, and he's still going to space the floor for you. So patience with Grimes. You have eight other guys performing at or above the expected level. So a lot to, a lot to be excited about. Uh, before I say my closing lineup, but why? Um, what did I want to ask? Oh, that's right. Why do you hate RJ Barrett? Mm. I don't. <laughs> He says very facetiously. Uh, no, no, RJ. Look, RJ, RJ had an RJ had an injury. He did, which we don't really know exactly what was going on. Is that fair to say? I think that. Yeah. Still waiting for the explanation about why a guy yeah. with migraines is in a very loud arena and and play. then. And hasn't been the same since he came back. And I think, uh, you know, the three point shooting again, we all expected was going to regress. That's one thing. And, but it's that some of the two point shots and attempts have looked much worse since he came back. And the kind of the patience is, I think he's starting to force things a little bit. 
a couple of takes last night last was last Friday night against Toronto. They just like those are old RJ straight line, no plan kind of takes that you just want him to cut out. But so we're just trying to refine that groove that he had early in the season. But I'm not giving up on that. And I'm not giving up on no. the playoffs last year. He's going to close games for us, too. <laughs> he already has and he I, will continue to do so. I, I say I bring him up completely and totally tongue in cheek. RJ is going to be fine. RJ will be he's not playing his best ball right now. He will obviously play better. I believe that what we saw at the beginning of the season was there like there was there was something real to that and it's just we need to kind of get get back to that point which like again we how often do we say growth isn't development isn't always linear mm-hmm. um i i at least wanted to honor rj by mentioning him because like the honest truth is right now if i'm giving did you give me a thumbs up with that thumb did you see that, that? wasn't me yeah where did that come from it's it was <laughs> it, it was the gods the basketball gods <laughs> Um, people listening to this, like, what are you talking about? A thumbs up just appeared on my in my video box. Maybe Justin <laughs> did. Too. Andrew, hear you talk about positively about RJ. And That's from, it uh, from the heavens. He sent you a thumbs up. He sent it. Um, I he's after Brunson and Randall and Mitch, who are obviously going to be in my ideal closing lineup. RJ's running fourth right now behind quickly DiVincenzo and and Hart. Uh, mm-hmm. DiVincenzo. Because, and look, we talk about shooting not being sustainable when it reaches a certain level. Not that Vincenzo is hitting fifty three percent of his threes over the last eight games. It's like ridiculous. I don't know what you're supposed to do with that. the The reason I'm having, I, I'm my inclination is to agree with you, just because the sample size is so is so strong, and it's like we know how they operate and how much hell or or, or havoc they could wreck on opposing teams. But like, man, leaving DiVincenzo out, if he's, is it possible he's entering his prime? And this is like, not again, he's not a 52% three point shooter. Nobody is. But like, if he's like pretty automatic as a catch and shoot guy, if you leave him open, there's a part of me that wants to find a way to get him into that, that closing lineup. And I, I, but who the hell, I mean, if you put him in for heart, then you're kind of small and then you don't have that ideal wing defender right yep and then if you put him in for quickly like we, we uh, you know quickly well, that's awesome. no that and that's that's the the difficult balance and why yeah. you're going to see different closing lineups like if you need to guard a point guard you kind of want grimes in there want, and and if you if it's no if it's not grimes then it's probably quickly and like divincenzo we've talked about this before like defensive playmaker really good instincts amazing anticipation not that great on ball. It's like you're not, you don't really want to throw, although I will say his defense on who was I just re- oh, on Cade down the stretch of that. But they, they brought him into close last six, seven minutes. Cade had dominated the game for Detroit. Last six, seven minutes, DiVincenzo was on him and did a phenomenal job. But in general, it can be a little bit uh, loose at the point of attack. He's just a risk taker. He, he, he's not disciplined enough, I think, to where you want him on the best point guards in the league down the stretch of a game. So it, it just depends on the personnel. And like if if it's more of a wing heavy team and you can throw Josh Hart or RJ if he's in on the wings and then DiVincenzo can guard an off ball player, you feel better about that. Right. So it's yeah, it, it just kind of depends on the matchup. And I again I think I think that's a tremendous luxury to have where it's like it's all these guys can come in and do the job. And it's just a matter of Who's playing well? We want to keep out there, right? If Josh Hart's having one of his hesitant games and he's and he's crushing the spacing, you don't want him in there. Is that okay? It? So RJ will come in or or Devin Jensen. Like what? A, it's just 
I think I, I really do think Tibbs has done a masterful job of kind of juggling that. And it's not easy. And guys get, you know, minutes are precious. Guys care a lot about closing games. They have a lot of egos on the team, a lot of guys who think they should be in there. It's a luxury to have nine guys who can close, but it's also <laughs> difficult on the egos of nine guys who four of whom are not going to close every night. So it's 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 a tough job in that sense. But he's I thought I think he's done a great job of juggling those lineups late, figuring out who has it, who he needs in the specific matchup. And it's gone well in that sense. Yeah. Um, and it's part of why they are uh, 12 and seven. Uh, last thing before we give out uh, game ball. Looking ahead to the month of the December, the aforementioned month of December, here is oh my God. There's a lot of ats, a lot of at symbols in this in this month. Um, at Milwaukee, then TBD. Uh, <laughs> either they're gonna host. Someone's gonna have to explain to me how that works. That they will host Indiana if Indiana loses to Boston, because Indiana, what like won their group. I don't I don't know what, what's whatever they will either host Indiana or they will go to Boston. Um, although it was announced a little while ago that Porzingis is going to miss um, the the Pacer game, the, the in-season tournament game with uh, some kind of injury uh, from there. Uh, I guess theoretically they could play in the in-season tournament championship game uh, if they win both of those matchups. That'd be a nice thing. And then uh, Toronto at home. Then five game road trip, Utah, Phoenix, Clippers, Lakers ends mm. at Brooklyn, which kind of not a road game, but um, that's are feisty. Then back to back home games against the Bucks because we just can't get enough of the Bucks. No. Nope. Uh, and then last three games of the month at OKC, at Orlando, at Indiana. My Lord. Um. I, I mean, what's a good? How many games did I just rattle off? I, uh, I should probably have kept count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. I, I mean, six and seven would. I don't know if I'd would I sign for that right now. I would have to think about signing for six and seven. This is a brutal fucking schedule, man. Yeah, I think. Seven and six without question. <laughs> like, yeah, probably. <laughs> I want to pull it up so I can kind of read off the games. But like, yeah, don't dive in. I think you want to win. So you have three against Milwaukee for sure. I think you want to win one. You realistically really want to win one of those. Don't want to go 0 and 3. Win one of them against, against Milwaukee. If it's the in season tournament one uh, Tuesday night, even better. But win one of those games at least. Uh, then you got to win the Jazz game, right? That's a must. Yeah, jazz, um, jazz are kind of taken. I think you win one of the LA games, right? I think it's hard to win to sweep the Clippers and Lakers at Staples or whatever it's called now. I think you got to win one of those. Um, beat the Nets. Beat the Nets. Got Nets are. Nets. I mean, Nets are feisty. But they're, though, they're a tough team. I mean, you got you know that's a game with the schedule. I think you really look to to circle that one. Hard to hard to beat a team twice in a short amount of time, but try to go beat the Raptors again at home. I, you know, I think they have a good formula against them now. And then, you know, where does that where does that put you? You know, the Suns, even if you pencil in, let's say, you know, they have KD back, whatever you pencil in that, that is a loss, which uh, uh, certainly not the case. And it can beat any of these teams. But just to be no. kind of, yeah. just taking a very kind of like realistic, like what's a what would I take? What would I sign up for? 
I don't know what I just came out to, but yeah, game or two over 500 over the stretch. I mean, OKC, Indiana, and Orlando, they win two of those games. Yeah. Screw that. Win two of them. Like, so Indiana, then you're, set- better, you're, you're better than Indiana, right? And I think we're better than Orlando. And Orlando's been really good. Win two of those games, and you feel pretty good. I am, I think the, so like, Part of, I, I kind of don't want to play Indiana until that game. I, I, obviously, because if we don't play Indiana until that game, it means we we beat uh, Milwaukee in the in season tournament game, and that means we're we're playing um, we're playing. Well, you still might play Indiana if you win. Oh wait, no, yeah, hold on. <laughs> you could play Indiana either way. If you win and they win, or if you lose and they lose. That's right. Yeah. So either way, um, whatever. My my point is, I, it would be cool to play Indiana or Orlando for the first time this season back to back because they have been the two upstart teams, and I'm very curious. And you want to talk about two absolutely different animals in terms of how <laughs> you have to approach those games? Yeah, like, unique challenges, and, and that that that, that three game stretch are all kind of unique. Cha- OKC is a very strange team to play. A unique team. They play a different style. Yeah. Stretch five that you have to worry about, which always scares me with the Knicks. And then Orlando's a smash mouth. They're going to make everything tough on Brunson and Julius. You know, it's yeah. going to be, you know, low 100s kind of game. And then Indiana is like, keep them out of the 140s and you feel pretty good. <laughs> Worst defense in league history, best offense in league history. You really amazing. It. Absolutely amazing. This is wild. Um, so it sounds like you're at like seven and six, eight and eight and Eight and five. Absolutely. Um, that, that sounds great to me. Eight and five, I think, would be great. Oh a great result. Seven and six would be a good result. Six and seven, you could probably live with. I, I think you phrased it the right way. You could live with six and seven. Um, but let's let's go get a winning. If they, I mean, again, we we we've. I not we. I always underestimate this team. So maybe yep. I should stop doing that. <laughs> I think that they're going to win the month. Um, we'll see what they do. Okay. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Game balls. It is time uh, given to a player, coach or entity that stood out this week and deserves special recognition. As always, I will read off what Andrew Claudio has written here. Jalen Brunson. First entry, but this is weird. He's in in lowercase, except for the first letter of his first and last name. Twenty five, four and eight this week, um, shooting 12, 25 from three in these uh, three games. Forty eight percent. It's absurd. Uh, all caps. <laughs> so this is ridiculous. We're, we're going to talk about it again in a second. Julius Randle is in all caps. So, Andrew, I ask you, 
again, you can't answer me because you're not here. If Julius Randle's in all caps, why is why is he not first on the list? I don't I don't know. What's something going on here? 25, 13, and 7 this week on 55% shooting. Uh, <laughs> he's back. Uh, Josh Hart talked his shit and then had his three best games of the season. No disagreement there. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo, 13 of 23 from three this week. That's just really ridiculous. Um, and then last but not least, Alec Burks, no reason in particular. Just good to see our old king. Uh, mostly for Benji. Mm. AB, we miss you. Thanks for being absolutely awful in that Detroit game. <laughs> I was about to say, uh, he had a three in the corner, an attempted three in the corner that, like, if it had gone in, it would have not, not been. He, well, he enough. missed. He missed a bunch of open ones in the corner. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's well, one I'm thinking yeah. of in the fourth. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. Thanks, AB. We appreciate you. Someone just give up a second round pick to get that guy on a winning team, please. I think he has what to give left. I can't say I've watched a ton of Alec Burks minutes this season. By he the was end, shooting it great in, uh, to start the year. I know. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. And that, but even 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 in the at the end of his Knicks tenure, the two point shooting was a red flag. Like he had kind of really lost his ability to make layups because he couldn't jump anymore. <laughs> his three points percentage was higher than his two point percentage. Yeah. I think. Um, this might be it. it, it so it might be, be he's, he's, yeah. he's had a bunch of injuries throughout his career. Like I don't know, but I would love to see him be able to contribute in a winning in a winning environment. That would be really cool because he's he's awesome and he was great for the Knicks. He seems like a great dude. And who the hell would want to play in that situation at the moment? Uh, I don't know if any any of the Pistons want to want to play in that situation <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> The Sasser kid looks really. I don't. I'm, I'm not gonna get Andrew yelling at me for too much Pistons talk. But the Sasser kid looks good. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, I wore my uh, Julius Caesar uh, t-shirt because mm. I I really wanted to to give this to him, and I'll I'll let you. Um. Well, I, I don't know. Actually, I don't know who you're gonna pick. Um. Julius. Here's the best thing I can say about Julius. I still don't feel like Julius is playing. I'll say anywhere. I was going to say anywhere close to his best ball, but like, man, when he was rolling last season, there were weeks at a time where it was like, I mean, think about it. Like he made all-star over Jalen Brunson and he made all NBA over Jalen Brunson. And like, yeah, those of us who obviously watch the team every game knew that that was a little, you know, something was maybe a, a tad off, but at the same time, None of us could really argue like vehemently with it because of how good Randall was for pretty like most of the year, like after an iffy maybe first month, month and a half or so. Um, and like the Toronto game was the first game that I again, maybe it was it his best game it was the second best game, third best game. It was the first time that I was like watching a version of the guy that was close to last year when he was at his best last year. And to your point earlier, the shooting still hasn't come around. So like I, I, um, I still have all the faith in the world that that guy is coming. Um, and that this off year on year or odd year, even year, whatever you want to call it thing will, will subside. And uh, it was just good to see his best because they, they need it because it makes it, as you said so many times, it makes them a different team when he's rolling. That's really all there is to it. Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to know if the shooting is going to come around with this guy. It, it, it could it could very well not. He is volatile. His shooting has waxed and waned in the most extreme ways over the course of his career and his career with the Knicks. Yep. He's at 28% from three now. 
He's right now under 60% at the rim, which would be the first time in his career since his rookie year. Um, but it's been a lot better at the rim. But it has gotten better. Seems to get be getting some explosiveness back. Um, but, you know, we're talking about a guy who's fourth percentile in, in effective field goal percentage right now still. So, you know, I, I, I first position, I should say. So I don't know. I don't know whether the shooting is going to come around or not. I assume the rim percentage will. But one thing I'll say is he's he is eight for 20 from the corner. And he's only taken 20 from the corner and they don't ever get him any corner threes. And like, I think it would be helpful to once in a while, get him in the corner and let him get some looks from there. That's just a side point. Um, But in lieu of that, of the shooting coming around, if he can be a freaking battering ram into the paint where it's like, he is, he is going to beat down your gates to the rim until you send reinforcements. And when you send reinforcements, that opens up weaknesses elsewhere, and he finds them. And that version of Julius that you saw against Toronto mm-hmm. can be an extremely impactful player, and he was in that game. <laughs> so, you know, he just draws a ton of attention. He's a, he's become a very good passer, finding shooters all over the floor. He can do it with crazy strength from crazy angles. Um, it's hard to even it's hard to prevent him from making those passes because he's so damn strong and he can, he can deal with all your digs and your holds and your grabs and yeah. still get it out and find even Chenzo in the corner for, for a three and the fourth, like all those plays were just exceptional. So there's, even if the shooting doesn't come around, there's hope that he can be a really good player for them this year as he's been this week. So I think, I assume that is your choice for the game ball. I think it's a, it's a, it's a noble one. Six, uh, 6.2 assists. Uh, over his last nine games, uh, Julius Randle. So I like that. I could I could live with that. It's delicious. <laughs> um, it is your turn, my friend. You know what? I'm going Devo. Whoa! Okay. Yeah, I'm, going Devo. I'm going Devo. Okay, I like it. Here's why. Here's why. Obviously, like. I think it took him a little bit of time as, as should be expected to kind of find his role here and figure it out. And he had some performances early that were really good, but it was really uneven. There are some performances that were dreadful. Like he's just now, it, it just, it all makes so much sense that he's here and what he's doing and the chemistry he has with his Nova boys, but even how he's fit in with any other lineup. Like he's just such an easy fit. The way he moves, the way he shoots, obviously the shooting's been outrageous of late. The way he locked down Cade, as I mentioned late in that game, where you you know you can he, he can make an impact in a lot of different ways. The way you know he adds a dimension to the defense that used to really struggle to force turnovers. Well, when he's in the game, they don't. And that you know, Mitch has made Mitch has changed in that sense too this year, where he's forcing mm-hmm. turnovers. But Devo is a player type that they just never had. Where on the perimeter. He's poking and prodding and 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 gambling, but in a healthy way to just generate a little bit more kind of high high impact plays on the defensive end that get them easy offense. So it, it the week just kind of this week of ball just kind of hammered home what a what an intelligent signing that was. He's the perfect guy for this team. He makes all the sense in the world for this team. Um and so, yeah, I'm going to give it to to Dante DiVincenzo. I like it. Um, I will only just quickly 
add. Uh, I love Dante Jones. He's, he's he's a fun guy to watch too. He's like just he a is. Fun player before. He is. Um, since we didn't, uh, neither of us gave a game ball to Jalen Brunson. I yeah, it, gonna, it is especially since and I'm just looking at the East right now. I actually think it would be like a major upset at this point if he was not on the all-star team. Presuming he continues to uh, play relatively as he's playing now and he stays healthy. Like you're, there's there's not 12 players in the Eastern Conference. I'm just looking right now like figure Orlando gets two. Orlando will get... I don't think they're getting more than one. And I'm, I'm not even like... Sorry, you said, Orlando, you said Orlando twice. Milwaukee gets two, were you going to say? No, did I say Bo- Boston gets two. Boston gets Orlando, two Orlando gets will one. get one. Milwaukee's going to get their two. Mm-hmm. Philly's going to get their two. That's seven. Mm-hmm. Skipping New York for a minute. Halley's in. That's eight. Um, Miami could get two. Bam and Jimmy. Has Jimmy Bam been an Jimmy. all-star this year? I don't know. I think Bam should get it. I, if you're asking Bam's, me, I think Bam, Bam's a lock, I think. Or so should be. Give them, fine. Give them two. Mm-hmm. That's 10. The Cavs are not. I don't. I mean, look, the Cavs could go and, and rattle off fifteen wins in twenty games. They're they have the talent, but as of right now, they like it's just Mitchell. They're not getting another All Star. No, Garland's been a little down this year. Yeah, interestingly. So that's eleven, and you're not telling me anyone on the Hawks. You're not telling. I mean, well, uh, Barnes. You mentioned Barnes, and Barnes has been really good. So, like, I guess theoretically there's a world, but like, I'm putting Brunson in over Barnes with all the respect to Barnes. I'm putting Brunson in over um, Jimmy. Um, yep. I got to say, I'm going to, like, I know Orlando's whatever their record is. I'm, I, he's, Brunson's going in over Paolo. Yep. Um, and you could, pro- honestly, you can make an argument that, like, like, the Celtics have the best record, so they're going to get two. But, like, after Tatum, who's the guy on that team that's like, oh, he has to be on the All Star team, you know? Yeah, no one, no one. It's a collective. It's like the top six yeah. is just so good that they're beating everybody. But it's it's Tatum being exceptional, and it's then the the rest of the, those five the guys all being all being excellent, <laughs> but yeah. not necessarily all star worthy on their own. Yeah, I, I think I, I would I would bet he gets in. I also think there's going to be like a little bit of remorse from last year where yes. this guy hasn't gotten any any recognition yet. Because he didn't make All Star, he didn't make All NBA. He's clearly that level player. Yep. And with Julius, and look, obviously, the Knicks keep winning. It becomes even less because he's going to wow. be the best candidate. So it's going to be like if they can again stay six, seven games above five hundred by the time the voting starts. I would, I would put a lot of money that he's going to be an All Star. Yep. Me and you both. Okay. Um, no. You know let me say. Yeah. Let me say one more thing about Brunson before we move on. Because sure. Yeah. There was one. This week was interesting. There was one game, the Charlotte game, which was a very. It was a very unique game from him. Was that the game where he was five for nine for twelve? Was that that was that right? That was Charlotte. Uh, I'm looking it up right now. They all took- they all run together for me too. So don't feel bad. So the Charlotte game, uh, Brunson played 33 minutes. He was five of nine from the field. That's the yeah. game. Yeah. And so I, I want to shout him out. I want to shout him out for that game, even though it was not his normal game because he wanted to get Julius going early. Julius had the matchup. Yep. Julius had been struggling. All everything we're talking about with Julius this week really got started in that game. And it's, it was Brunson. I think very perf- purposefully took one shot in the first quarter, purposefully deferring <clears throat> in the first quarter, especially, and then even throughout the game. Yep. And then to close out the Detroit game, 
Brunson had 40. Yeah, he was hanging on 39 for a while. Yeah. Who did he go to uh, down the stretch at every possession? Julius Randle. That's your freaking leader. That's your freaking leader because he gets it because he understands how much he needs the guy and he understands how he needs to get him going both at the beginning of games and now Julius has the confidence to close games because in Detroit, he freaking closed that game. So props to that dude for being as amazing as he's been, the all-star that he's going to be, and then understanding how to keep his running mate in the right frame of mind going forward, get him going, get his, get his confidence that he needs to make this team go to where they need to go. Semi-related point. Um, I don't think the numbers will have changed. Yeah, because the Toronto game wasn't a crunch time situation. Uh, Julius' crunch time numbers historically have not been good. This year, they're okay. They're they're fine. Like they're consider you know players never shoot as well. Typically, well, some players shoot actually better in, in the clutch, like Jalen Brunson. Uh, like Jalen's crunch time numbers are still like the best on the team, but Julius is not is not far off. Um, good, good, good uh, job pointing that out. I'm. I'm Happy we mentioned that. Uh, okay, no one's going to detention because the Knicks uh, didn't lose this week, so we don't put anyone to detention when they uh, don't don't lose a game. And we're also not doing predictions because we don't know what games we're. <laughs> <laughs> this is a wild time, wild times in the NBA, huh? Yeah, we can predict two games. Maybe we will predict three games. We don't know who the second opponent is going to be. So, in lieu of that, Andrew has instructed us: we are each going to give a prediction for the in-season tournament finals. Um, oh, we're going to pick a winner and a runner up. Um, hold on. Let me look and remind myself of the freaking bracket. Uh, NBA IST bracket. Just I, I know who they are, but I just um, I just want to have it in front of me. So it's easier for me to think. Um, I'll, I'll kill some time and I'll say who the teams are so you can get yourself Get yourself in the right state of mind to make this pick. Uh, so it is the Lakers uh, facing off against the Suns. It is the Pelicans facing off against the uh, Kings. It is the Knicks and the Bucks, and then it is the Pacers and the Celtics. Mm. I think I know which way I'm going. I'm going to go Milwaukee over Sacramento. Sacramento. I love Sacramento. Do you? Yeah. That's fun. Like, I, I, I love them. I think they're an excellent regular season team. Huh. When Fox is healthy. I think they're really hard to play. And I, I mean, their record with Fox has been something phenomenal. Yep. So, yeah, I'm going that. I, I think I, I like, look, <laughs> Tuesday night, the Knicks could win. I don't, I mean, I, you know, it's in Milwaukee. Absolutely. They could win. I think Milwaukee is, is. Fox haven't been playing well. They haven't been playing well, but the record, like they're they're finding ways, and Lillard being the like one, still one of the best clutch players in the world helps. I just think at some point soon they're going to find the groove, and I wonder if this in season tournament opportunity is going to kind of get them there. Like they're going to use it as an opportunity, like high leverage games, to kind of really find themselves, kind of find their stride, get some swagger. I could just see it being a launching off point for them. So. That is my very scientific answer to why I am saying Milwaukee over Sacramento. I will go. Say Knicks. Say it. No. Look, if coward, do you have any idea? <laughs> do you have any idea how much I would lose my shit if they won this thing? 
Uh, I would. It'll be, it'll be an epic day on Twitter. I'll tell you that. Oh my lord! Uh, I'm gonna go Boston over. I'll go Boston over Phoenix. I like how Phoenix is playing. And I What's know the, is Bradley Beal ever coming back, or is just he's he's not he's not not a thing. He played two games this year. Two what is going on with that? Um, I, they're really good. What you no, know? What they've done? No, Porzingis th- worries me. By the way, but I think yeah, me too. That's it, they they were clearly taking the season tournament shit very seriously. Uh, the Celtics. <laughs> Missoula's so like, a, a weirdo. I gotta say, he's a, a weirdo. Strange bird. I think even without Porzingis, <laughs> they will have enough to to that they could. They're really good. Boston's really good. But yeah, without Porzingis, they kind of run out of options. You know, the Bucks get really big if they don't have Porzingis on the floor. Um, that's true. But, but not, you know, not to say. You know, what Phoenix has done that's really smart, and you saw it in the Knicks game. I know Andrew doesn't like him to get, but they've surrounded all these stars with with these dudes who are some of the best offensive rebounding wings in the league. The, the numbers say it. I mean, a, a Kogi, Goodwin. Kogi's like, one of the, he's like one of the best rebounding wings like ever. Goodwin, Goodwin's up there this year. I know in offensive, like, and they've encouraged those guys. Like Gordon shoots, Booker shoots, Durant shoots. Like, just go get the ball, and it's a freaking handful to deal with. Like, it's it's one thing to surround these stars with like low end role players, which they have, but they've they've strategically done it in a way where it's like, but we can find something where they'll complement our stars in a very unique way. It's I not just like the Lakers who. Look, the Lakers got it right the one year, and then they went and fucked it all up, and they're still trying to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Right, and if it's and if you can't find kind of low cost, really good shooting, which they, it's hard to find, shooting's just expensive. So, like to find guys who will complement in in this very specific way, where it's like, you know, our stars aren't going to miss much, but when they miss, we're going to get thirty percent of your of, of the rebounds. It's just really, really smart. I don't know how intentional that was because I know they signed a bunch of other guys who aren't necessarily in the rotation all the time. But to to kind of put this group together, I thought was it's just an interesting but, interesting team building strategy that I think has largely worked so far for them. I think they purposefully threw shit against the wall. Like Yuta Watanabe, didn't he shoot like forty eight percent from three last year? Or some insane. Yeah, I, I maybe mean, it wasn't that high. But by the way, that's an example of low cost shooting that I think was exactly. Really smart was, too. Isn't yeah. he get on like a minimum? Like I yeah, wonder sometimes how guys like this um, not fall through the cracks, but like. You know, then you look at Boston, a guy like Sam Hauser, like that. I don't know if he was undrafted or a second round pick or whatever, but like they have him. Yeah. Like these these teams, it does feel sometimes like the rich get richer. But you do you have to be smart and you have to be um, purposeful uh, mm-hmm. in, in what you're doing. Okay, uh, that's it. We have a couple of announcements, so let's let's do those. So first things first, uh, study hall episode uh, tomorrow on playback at six p.m. Join live uh, in the description of this episode. Uh, Andrew writes tomorrow. I think he he means Monday, right? Sure. Probably. Why, yeah, you, let's go. Why are you asking me? I don't know. I don't. I thought maybe you'd have some some. I will listen when it comes out. Whenever it comes yes. out, because it's good content. But I don't know when it comes out. <laughs> there it is. Pre-game pod with Ty Windich of uh, the Eurostep drops on Tuesday at seven a.m. to get you fully prepared for. The end season tournament. Um, it's not a quarterfinal game. That's not what they're calling it. It's the knockout round. You have to be very mm. purposeful and specific. Um, also, check out the Nick's Film School merch store. Um, again, you are going to Nick Film School. That is S K O O L dot com. Uh, whether you uh, celebrate Christmas, Hanukkah, any other holiday, people love gifts. 
love opening shit up and uh, there's some good merch on there some really cool stuff my I have to I just reminded myself I have to order something for my wife because she said she wants um, one of the hoodies on there and then last certainly not least thank you to everybody who shared their Spotify uh, wrapped I, that's the name of the thing right Spotify wrapped absolutely absolutely I don't know sure <laughs> just and for the people who listen to us as much as you you uh, did this year, I'm I'm laughing not because I don't appreciate every single person who has ever downloaded an episode of the show, but because like I just there's so many things out there on social media that I can't keep track of at all. But I did see those people that shared um, their the fact that we were on their top five list, and I if I didn't respond to you, I apologize. I tried to respond to as many people as I could, just with a genuine thank you. As I will say now, thank you to everybody. Um, whether you shared your list, whether you didn't, again, if you're someone that like tunes into the show once in a blue moon, we appreciate that because there's so much fucking content out there, <laughs> and a lot of it's really good. And uh, you know, uh, we, we try to put one foot in front of the other and uh, and and make the best. So, thanks for giving us a chance. Benji Ritholtz, anything you want to say before you get out of here? Nope. Just echo the sentiment. We appreciate everybody. We appreciate all your feedback. We appreciate all your follows, likes, loves, five stars. Um, it means a lot. It helps us out so that we can keep putting out the great stuff that we all put out. Give a follow to anybody that contributes to Nick's Homeschool. If you only follow a couple of us, please follow all of us because everybody on this team is amazing. Really. Really amazing. So we have a roster somewhere. Just just hit the follow button on everybody. Just make sure because because you'll you'll be better for it. You'll be smarter for it. And speaking of being smarter, uh, shout out to DJ and um, uh, XJ who did a phenomenal job yes. on the post game with Toronto. I listened to all three parts of that and they were all great. Um, and uh, yeah, man, it's it's funny because like you and DJ are both like obviously the film guys. But he'll like the way he goes about looking at stuff and analyzing stuff is like slightly different from the way you do, which I love that. And then sure. XJ obviously brings the analytical bump, which is always which is always great. Okay, uh, enough for me. Again, shout out to APJP for producing this episode. Um, shout out to Andrew for pulling the strings. Thank you, Benji. As always, I am uh, feel blessed to be in the company of your basketball knowledge and just you generally as a person. And uh, thanks everybody. For checking out another episode of the Next Film School podcast, we will be back uh, with all the stuff we just talked about. And then, obviously, if you're looking ahead, uh, I'll be on the, the post game after the Bucks game, hopefully celebrating a win. Um, but we will see. All right, talk to everybody later. Peace out. Bye all. Bye.